Man, thank you very much. Yeah, I've got terrible handwriting, like really bad handwriting. So um, that's humbling. Um, but it's good to see you all. It's actually um, it's a pleasure to be back. I actually I spoke a while back, and so it feels like a homecoming. It feels like I'm here again, back amongst my people. Um, so it's really good to be here, and I recognise a lot of faces, and um, so it's nice to be here. But I thought I'd just give a little intro to who I am, what I'm about, um, uh, so you feel like you know me, so I'm not just some stranger that's come in and that's speaking to you. Um, so my name is Matt. You probably... Um, saw on the um, service sheets as you were coming in that it was John Dobson coming to speak and I got really excited because that's my brother uh, and I've not seen him for a while and so I was really pumped that he was going to be here and going to speak but um, he's not, it's just me and so that was a surprise and um, I miss him. Um, but uh, there's been a lot of news, actually, in my life. A lot of new things happening this last year. Um, I got married, which was amazing. I know, people woo. And, um, and I wooed a lot, and my parents wooed a lot, because I thought I, it, my parents were like, no hope. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I've really surprised them, so that's really good. Um, and uh, it's been a great little, little time. We've, I've moved into a new house. I've... Um, I've started studying theology as well, um, so I'm a student again. I get um, I get discount Amazon Prime. I get 40% off at the gym. Um, I'm just reaping the benefits of student life. Um, but actually, I also I prayed a really brave prayer and I said, God. Um, this year, I want to have courage. God, make me bold. Um, and God took that literally. And I lost all my hair last year. Uh, and so now I'm bold. And I thought, um, I thought that would make me wise and look kind of like people respect me a bit more. And, and I found out really quickly that people don't. Uh, and the way I found out was that I went to do an assembly at a school. And, and I like to make little jokes. And so I, I said, so the teacher asked me, um, oh, and, and how old are you managing um, North Bristol Food Bank. I was like, oh, I'm 29, but I look a lot older. It's because I'm very wise. Um, and a few little laughs, and the teachers, ha, ha, ha. Um, but then after the assembly, um, this uh, little girl came up who was um, in year one. So I don't know how old that is. Is that six, seven years old around that? Um, and she came up to me and she said, oh, I know why you look old. It's because you've got a bald head and a terrible skincare regime. Uh, I was like, oh, okay. Um, then she gave me a hug and said, sorry for the truth. Um, I walked away. <laughs> so, that was really humbling. Um, so that's, um, that's a little bit about me. But we're in that funny little period at the beginning of January where it's, it's all about new things. New year, new me, all of that. I don't know if people have started um, to do uh, kind of New Year's resolutions. Um, but we're in, towards the end of January and, and I look back at my New Year's resolutions and I've broken them all already. <laughs> and it's terrible. I said I was going to eat less and get a bit more healthy. And just yesterday, I went for a for a all you can eat Chinese and ate one and a half ducks um, and about fifty pancakes. Um, so it was crazy. But um, but not only that, it's we're in this weird kind of phase where it's what's this year going to be like for us? What's going to kind of mark out our year? What's going to set out our year? And and I think although we might have New Year's resolutions that we might have broken, we might um, still be keeping them up, fair play, more power to you. Um, but I look back, and, and the bit that I'm reading in the, in the Bible at the moment, I'm on the slog. If you know your Bible well, I'm, I'm reading Leviticus at the moment. And, and it's a slog, let me tell you, but I think it's bad, my New Year's resolution of just trying to eat less. Imagine coming out of 
Egypt um, as the Israelites were, came out of Egypt. And their like new year, new me kind of thing is, is God revealing himself in the law, which is like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of laws that they've got to try and, and live up to. That's a big new year, new me, isn't it? <laughs> Here's hundreds of laws <laughs> that you've got to try and keep. And actually for them, it was, a, it was a joy. They were like, brilliant. We've got all these things. God has revealed himself to us and he said, this is how you can live right with me. This is how you can live well with me. He's literally spelled out, this is, these are the things you've got to do to keep yourself kind of right, to keep yourself right with me, to keep yourself right with the people around you. Here's a whole list of things. For them, that was a huge joyful thing because in the nation there, all around the nation, all the gods that other cultures were following, they had no idea what their gods wanted. They had no idea. And so they were going around just doing random things, doing terrible things, horrible things to try and please their gods because they had no idea what their gods wanted but there is the Israelites God actually our God revealed himself to us and said here are the things that you just need to do to keep in line with me reality is it's not just a few things <laughs> oh there's loads and it's weird it's like don't eat fish I like fish. Well, don't eat, eat seafood. Like, do weird, like, wave offerings. <laughs> and, like, dot little bits of blood on your body. <laughs> so, it's weird. I don't really get it. Um, but, I love Jesus. <laughs> and why I love Jesus the most, perhaps the most, is because he is asked the question of all these laws, all these different rules that have come into play, everything that God has revealed himself for us to do, what is the most important thing? And this is what he says. Um, and let me flick to my Bible. I've got, really, I've got a new Bible. It's really thick. And people always think, have you got a like, Bible 2.0? Because it's got extra stuff in it. Um, but it's not. It's just really big print. Because as I'm getting old, my eyes are worse. <laughs> it's not good. Um, I need to get glasses. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Maybe on my student discount, I can get a free eye test. <laughs> All right, so we're going into Luke. We're going to Luke chapter 10. And this is going to be kind of the, the base of the text that we're looking at. And we're going to dig in a bit deeper. Uh, and so Jesus is asked this. Hopefully it'll pop up there. Look at that. He is asked um, in Luke um, by one of the kind of legal guys. One of the guys who's following the law kind of outright. He's going for it. He's a, he's a Pharisee, but he's someone who is just following line by line the law of God. And he says, Jesus, how can I have eternal life? Uh, and other kind of gospels, it's, it, the thing that they say is, is this guy say, what's the most important of all the rules? What's the most important one? What is the one that we have got to keep? And Jesus' answer, I love this because he just sums it up really well. And we don't have to do all those billions of laws in Leviticus anymore. Happy days. Um, and he says this. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Amazing. Jesus literally just sums up the whole of the whole of that book that I'm reading through at the moment, that I'm sure some of us have tried to read through before. It's a real slog. Sums up. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbour as you love yourself. Amazing. New Year, new me. I want to be a guy. If this is the summary of what God's plan for us on this earth, what God's plan for us as part of this church, what's God's plan for us as part of Bristol, living in Hallfield, living in Lockleys, wherever you're living. If this is the heart of God, is for us to love him and to love our neighbours, surely this has got to be our new year, new me. Surely this has got to be our new year's resolution.
But in classic human fashion, this, um, this guy who asks this question then tries to narrow it down even further. And so it's not just, oh, you know, love, love God, love yourself. Oh, when you say neighbor, I, I want to do, I want to tick this law box. I want to say that I'm doing it well. When you say neighbor, what do you mean? Who is neighbor? Is this one person? Is there a guy that's living in my community whose name is literally neighbor that I can be loving and that I could tick that little box? And, and Jesus' response is the classic story, which is of the Good Samaritan. So I'm going to read it through to us and just pull out a few things um, for us that I think could be really relevant to, to us here um, at Ebby, but also um, in the wider kind of picture of, of seeing Bristol being changed and transformed. And if I'm honest, that's my heart. That is exactly what I, what I want to see happen, is wherever I go, I want to see Bristol being changed and transformed. I want to see people's lives um, being completely changed. When I hear the stuff that Andy is chatting about at the Goose, and I know the stuff they do down there, that is front line, seeing people's lives being changed. And it is super tough, but it's so inspiring because that's literally God's heart for us is to see our city being transformed, to see people's lives being changed, for us to truly and radically love our neighbour. And, and what that looks like, what that should look like, is people's lives completely changing. And it's not easy, it's hard work, but that's what we're here for. And it's exciting to know that we're all part of that kind of journey, that story, that we're all part of seeing Bristol being changed. We're all part of seeing our streets being changed, our, tra- our families being changed, our um, people we see at school, our workplaces. It's our job, really, is to, to love people, to see their lives being completely transformed. And that gets me excited. But here is the passage that we're, we're going to be looking at. So it's a good Samaritan. Hopefully it will um, pop up. Uh, and so this guy who's asking Jesus a question said um, he wants to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, and that's someone who is like high legal law, like he's like a high-end person. Um, he said, when he came to the, the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, and I'm sure you guys have read this so many times, so you know this in and out. Samaritan to the guy who's asking the question of who is my neighbor, that is like enemy time. It's like these people are the worst. They're like horrible people. We just think... They're the worst. Um, but Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. It's an amazing story. <laughs> Uh, and it's an amazing story, and the summary is, who's my neighbour? It's everyone. It's the people you don't like, it's the people that you get on well with, the people that you literally just arm's length, I'm not even going anywhere near them. It's the person when you turn up to work and you're like, oh, flip, Terry's in. <laughs> not again. Not Terry. He's moaning all the time, he's always whining, he's like the negative guy in the office, he brings the mood down. I'm just going to stay away from Terry. Um, sorry if you are Terry. Um, and that's not someone in my life. Um, yet. It might be Stuart. And it's not Stuart. It's not Stuart. He's lovely. Um, But it's everyone. 
we've, we've got to, to love everyone, but I wonder who are the people in our lives that we might walk past that are kind of metaphorically beaten, broken, bruised, robbed, left to one side, that are sat on the street and they're just saying, just waiting for someone to do something, just waiting for someone to help, for someone to reach out to, to say, I'm here for you. Who are those people that are around us? And, and how do we react? Are we the people that just go, do you know what, not today? Uh, maybe we're people that say, oh, you think your problems are bad, look at my problems. Who are we in this story? Are we, are we, are we Samaritans? Are we, are we the guy who goes the extra mile? And what I love about the, the Samaritan in this is that um, not only does he just say, because I think my reaction sometimes to when I see people in need is, is I do, if I'm honest, the bare minimum. If I see someone that's, that's homeless on the street, I might put down a couple of pounds and think, oh, done a good job there, walk on. But actually, in this story here, the Samaritan, what he does is he journeys with that person through his pain. Isn't that amazing? That he doesn't just do the, the, the minimum of, of here's a little bit of money. He puts him on his donkey. He takes him all the way to an inn. He doesn't just leave him there and say, oh, I've passed you on to a next place. He, he then gives money and says, this is the cover for, for, for right now, but... Whatever else this guy needs, charge it on me. Isn't that an amazing model of, of what it means to actually truly love people? That it's not just the minimum, it's actually journeying through it with people. It's a powerful thing, because I, I look at our, our world and I, I see on the news and it's like constantly, kind of the world is burning, <laughs> literally. <laughs> and you're like, wow, this is huge. Climate change, there's people fleeing from war, there's people, um, families being broken, and, and that's like world picture. But then I even look in on Bristol, I'm like, homelessness crisis. I didn't even know the stuff that Andy said. 140 people have died since 2017. That's terrible. That's like 140 people that no doubt have had so many people walk past them. So many people walk past them. And you think, gosh. We've got to do something about it. And my, my kind of world is around food poverty, and, and I work for a food bank, and, and so my thing is, is food poverty. And we see people coming into our, our food banks um, all the time from every single different crisis, kind of every crisis someone can have. At some point, they'll be coming onto a food bank. Uh, at some point, they'll be coming in, whether that's from... Um, uh, benefit-related problems, from um, fleeing domestic abuse, from mental health issues. We've got so many people coming into our food bank with really complex mental health issues, whether that's um, from debt or from just feeling like they're lost, there's no one there to, to help them. There. And there's people that aren't able to afford to buy food for their families. It's literally people that can't afford to put food on people's plates. I think, wow, that's in our city, <laughs> that people aren't able to put food on their plates. It's huge, isn't it? And actually, at Food Bank, this last year, in 2019, we fed 5,902 people. Um, and that's just in our, our little food bank. So that's Hallfield, Lockley, Southmead, um, Patchway, and Filton. That, that's just in that patch, 5,902 people had no food 
at some point and came to us in need. Huge numbers. And what makes it even worse is that actually it's a 40% increase, 40% increase from the year before. 40% increase. It's a huge amount of people that we're seeing coming through Food Bank. But we are people that carry ultimate hope. We are people that carry ultimate love. We are people that are called to see these people's lives change and to not just sit by and stand or walk past people, but actually to get involved and journey with people. And we're always getting amazing stories of people's lives being completely transformed. Uh, and one story I want to share with you is from over at one of our, our food banks, um, actually up in Yate. Um, we've got a, a, a new group of food banks that have just joined in up in Yate. And it's literally the story that um, our volunteers up there told me mirrored the Good Samaritan so much. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> this is a good story to tell. Because um, what had happened was, there was this person that came along to Food Bank, and her backstory was um, she lived up in, uh, in Leeds, um, and she... Um, was she was married she had um four kids um but um it was a really toxic relationship and um and she actually suffered domestic abuse and 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 she fled from that relationship down to bristol and it's literally within the first few days of arriving in bristol she was given a place to live that was empty and um, so it was a, a little one bed apartment um one bed flat um that she could stay in with her her kids um and there's nothing in there no bed no um, washing machine, cooker, um, nothing there. Empty shelves, everything. Um, not only is she fleeing domestic abuse, but also um, she uh, was in loads of debt. Like a huge amount of debt. She had zero, she had minus money. Like she had nothing. Um, and she arrived in Yates, completely new place. Didn't know anyone. Was a stranger, really. Um, until she met someone at a, at a church who actually just went out of their way to say hello to someone that looked lost. And she was just stood at a, a bus shelter and um, with her kids, and she was just manically trying to find the right bus to get to somewhere that could help her out with something. And she had no idea what to do. And she just burst into tears, and she was like, I've got... What do I do? It's a new place. I don't know anyone. I don't know anything. I don't know where to go. And was in tears in this bus shelter. And someone from local church, seeing this, didn't walk on by. Didn't say, oh, I'll say a little prayer later. They actually said, how are you doing? What's going on? Um, and she told her this, the whole story, everything, about what was going on um, in her life and where she was right now. Powerful story. It's like... Gosh, imagine putting yourself into that situation. Just terrible. Um, but this lady that chatted to this woman who's in distress said, I'm going to help you out. We're in this together. We're going to do something about this. And what she did was she um, gave her um, directions to the, the local food bank. And she actually walked her to the church where, um, or the, it's a shop front, where they do food bank. And introduced them to the, the food bank folk there and said, this lady's just arrived. Like, what's going on? 
see similarities with Good Samaritan, literally carrying her all the way um, to this place to get help. And, and the amazing thing about Food Bank is that we are able to give physical food straight away. So straight away, we're able to sit down and say, don't worry, <laughs> like food, we've got you covered. You're okay. You're going to get food. We're going to support you all the way. But actually, more than that, we want to get, help you get out of the situation that you're in. And, um, and so connected with that food bank is a, a debt advice worker. And that debt advice worker was able to sit her down, have a chat with her, um, and over a couple of weeks, cancelled all her debt. All her debt was gone. <laughs> Um, but not only that, they wanted to put her in contact with um, the local council as well to get her some further support, because it's not right, she's got nothing in her house, um, we want to do something about that. And so they were able to, actually in the end it was the church that gave her all the white goods she needed. They got around her, they helped her, they literally put in all those white goods into her new flat. It's going that extra mile. But not only that, the church were able to say, and actually, we know that you feel really hopeless, really lost, and, and, and this lady was saying, why are you doing this? Like, wh- why are you here? What's going on? What's happening? Like, why would you just randomly stop by a stranger and just chat to me and say, what's going on? Like, that's not what happens normally in our society. That's not what happens in our world. And, and these guys said, well, we follow Jesus. And, and, and Jesus really clearly says that if there's going to be one thing that you do and one thing that you follow is love God and love your neighbour as you love yourself. And so we're loving our neighbour. And she was so caught up in that love really, the love that she received, the love that she um, kind of got from those people that she was like, I need to find out more about this love that you're, you're talking about. And she started coming along to church, um, to their church. And, and actually recently, um, the whole family um, got baptised. It's, it's literally all from that one encounter of someone just saying, someone in distress, not walking by, not saying I'll do the bare minimum, saying, how's it going? What's going on? What can I do to help out with you? And journeying it through the whole way, we're seeing people's lives being completely transformed. It's an amazing story, isn't it? The reality is, that's what we're called to do. If there's one thing that you want your New Year's resolution to be this year, love God, love your neighbour. But I also want to just call out the elephant in the room sometimes when we talk about helping people. Um, And that is... um, compassion fatigue. Uh, we, we all feel it, don't we? And, and I know that um, I'm part of uh, Woodlands Church and, and I know the reputation that Ebby's got. Actually, the reputation you guys have got is that you are a church that serves the city, that you're a church that is all about social action, that's about reaching out, that's about doing food bank, doing the noise, that's, um, you're kind of on the... It almost feels like you're frontline people, <laughs> that, that you're people that are, are doers and are active and goers and you're constantly kind of out there to help people and it's like a proper church community that is out there on the streets helping people. That's the reputation that you guys have got. But the reality is we all suffer sometimes with compassion fatigue. We all think, not another ask. Or, oh, it's the noise again. <laughs> oh, food bank again tin of beans or um, do you know what I mean we all have those moments where we're like oh again really 
And, and I think there's two ways that we can counter compassion fatigue. And I'm just going to say them so that when, because I, I truly believe that when we all leave here, we're going to be people that want to see people's lives being changed. We're going to be people that notice people that are on the outskirts, that are um, in our workplace, in our family, in our schools, um, our friends, our everyone. We're going to be people that notice people. And we're going to be people that, that do something about it and people that journey with people. We're going to be those people. I know that. But I know also there's going to be a time where we think, actually, just not today. Actually, I'm just fed up. Actually, I'm just bored. Actually, I'm just not into it. And there's two things that I think that we can do in those moments that will see um, kind of combat compassion fatigue. One is proximity to people. One is proximity to Jesus. And I think that so often we treat asks as like numbers. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, oh, donate to this cause. Okay, yeah, a bit of money. Oh, not today, not really interested. And for, for me, it's the same. I, I think it's so easy for me with stats to be like, oh, 5,900 people. Oh, I can round it down, round it up. It's 5,000. It's almost 6,000 people. But no, it's actually, they're individual people. That's 5,902 individual people. And the reality is, when we're around people, when we're interacting with people, when we say that we want to journey alongside people, our natural response to people uh, being in distress or people um, struggling is that we want to show compassion. We want to get alongside them, we want to help them, we want to do something. And it's, it's when we make it real, when we make these huge stats that we hear real by getting alongside people, is when we can combat compassion fatigue. Because it's a real thing. It's real people's lives that we are that we're kind of contending with. It's real people's lives that we are hoping to see being transformed. And the second one is proximity to Jesus. And I love that the next bit in... Um, after the story of the Good Samaritan, it's about Mary and Martha. And you've probably, again, heard that story because it's kind of mentioned all the time. Um, but this story is, is Mary, uh, Martha is kind of rushing around with Jesus. Jesus is in, in the house. She's rushing around. She's busy, busy, busy. She's doing, doing, doing. Active, active, active. Um, she is clearing up, washing up. And Mary's just sat there at Jesus' feet. And Martha's like, Mary... <laughs> Get by that sink. <laughs> get washing up. Get clearing up. Get tidying up. And what Jesus says is, no, Mary's in the right place. Mary's here in front of me. And I think that's such a, I think that's, that's purposefully there after the story of the Good Samaritan. Because so often we rush around, rush around, rush around and forget that the main thing is Jesus. We forget that the main thing is Jesus. And actually, our love and it's, uh, the love that we're showing other people should be different from the love that they receive from other people because we're following Jesus. And the love, we are first loved by God so that then we love other people. And our love is different that we're offering other people. It should be different. It should stand out. And, um, and I had a moment like this. And just be honest, it's probably the worst moment of my life where I felt most guilty and most shameful, most kind of rubbish. And it was at... Um, uh, when I was at Woodlands Church, I was on the welcome team, some, a lady came in and she said, um, I'm really struggling. And I could tell that she was in real desperate need. She said, I've not had food for ages, like, I just need a, I don't have a blanket, I don't have a sleeping bag, I'm on the streets, I don't know what to do. Um, I'm really struggling. Um, and I was just not really in it. I was just not really there, and I just went into kind of manager mode, and I was like, oh, we don't have anything here, but I could, uh, if you go down to uh, the crisis center, they'll be able to help you out, or if you go down to this place, or if you call this number, they'll be able to support you, but sorry, we don't have anything here. What was I doing? 
this lady literally reached out and said, just, I need something. And I went into this weird, hard-hearted, like, manager mode of, like, what was going on there? And fortunately, my dad was there, and he's much better than me. And he's a real, has a real good heart. And he came in, and he was like, oh, there's food downstairs, and there's sleeping bags over here, and we've got loads of clothes, and, um, and here's a little hardship fund. We give you some money. And the reality was, my heart was hard. And I just didn't really care. And I had to do a lot of coming to Jesus with that. And it's great that we're going to be coming into communion now. Um, because this is communion. It's a time when we're, we're literally coming to Jesus' feet. And we're saying, we're experiencing and encountering true love. Like actual genuine love. And God is all about our hearts. About what's going on on the inside. And the joy is when we come to Jesus, we can say, like, make my heart like your heart. Make it soft, make it caring, make it bigger so that I can love more people. And that's what we're going to be doing now. And I, I just really challenge you to, to pray that. When we come into communion, just make my heart softer, make my heart bigger. And almost like kind of etch it on my heart that I'm someone who loves you, God, but loves my neighbour as I love myself. I genuinely believe if we keep on going through that cycle, we'll see this city being changed and transformed. We'll see Hallfield being transformed. We'll see Loch Lees being transformed. Your streets, your neighbours, your uh, work colleagues, your family. If we show this love that we've received from Jesus, we'll see people's lives being transformed.